Welcome to Talking History with Farnham U3A History Group. This podcast completes the talk given by Tim Davis on the London Underground on the 9th of September 2019. Disused underground stations. There are 23 in total. The first to close was King William Street in 1900, just nine years and three months after it opened. I discussed King William Street earlier in the talk. And then there was North End, abandoned in 1906. What do I mean by abandoned? They'd started to build the underground station below ground, but they never even started on the above-ground buildings. It was decided that there was no need for this underground station. It's also referred to as the Bull and Bush, after the pub not far away. And then who remembers Hounslow Town, City Road, South Kentish Town, Down Street, York Road, Dover Street, British Museum, Brompton Road, Osterley Park and Spring Grove, St Mary's Uxbridge, Lords and Marlborough Road. All those are closed by 1939. And then Swiss Cottage, the Metropolitan Line Swiss Cottage that is, and Wood Lane closed in the 1940s. South Acton and White City, they departed in 1959. Aldwych in 1994 and Charing Cross Jubilee Line platforms in 1999. The final closure was Shoreditch, in 2006. I'd now like to look at one or two of those stations in a little bit more detail. And I'm going to start with Down Street. Down Street Station, a Leslie Green tube station on the Piccadilly line, is between Green Park and Hyde Park Corner. It opened on the 15th of March 1907, three months late, and is a typical Leslie Green building with oxblood red tiles, pillars and semicircular windows outside. The platforms are 61 foot 8 inches below ground level. Sadly, the station was never well used. Other stations were too close to it and people preferred to go there. In addition, the area which Down Street is in is an extremely wealthy area and may well at that time have not been an area where the people used the underground. It was missed by some trains from 1909, just two years after it had opened. And from the 5th of May 1918, there was no Sunday service. The last train ran on the 21st of May 1932. And that might have been it. But as the clouds of war gathered over Europe, brick walls were built at the edge of the platforms for privacy. Underground passageways were fitted out as offices and became the wartime headquarters of the Railway Executive Committee. This committee ran all the railways across Britain during the war. There were toilets and two bathrooms still survive. I wouldn't want to use them, but they could, I suppose, be cleaned up. Part was fitted out for use by the War Cabinet and Winston Churchill had quarters there quite often walking across Green Park to Down Street. Occasionally, 
trains did stop there to let out a VIP who had travelled from somewhere else on the underground system in the driver's cab. The photographs here show you directions to a committee room and also some VIP either entering or leaving the driver's cab of a train. These photographs show you a typical Leslie Green set of tiles showing the way out and then a photograph of the kitchens and finally a photograph of the switchboard in one of the corridors in the station. Our next disused underground station is the Aldwych and when the station closed in 1994 it was already seen as a museum piece. It was at the end of a branch on the Piccadilly line served by a shuttle service and in reality Aldwych should never have been built but it was part of the plans for one of the two lines that constituted the Piccadilly line. It opened in 1907 as Strand Station and even from its date of opening it was never heavily used. It provided shelter from the Blitz to both Londoners and also valuable artworks from the museums in London. One of the platforms was exclusively for the storage of the valuable artworks. There was one issue, which was the humidity, caused by all the Londoners sheltering on the other platform. It's also seen as being valuable for emergency planning exercises and for the backdrop for films that require underground stations of a certain era. In these photographs you can see the assistance window originally was the ticket office. You can see the eastern platform where all the artefacts were stored during the war. And also, not quite sure why, but there's a very interesting poster regarding the benefits to farmers from the common market. When they were building Aldwych, they realised it would be underused. And so economies were made during the building process. They only had one set of stairs and passages to the platforms. The others were never completed. Only the part of the western platform where the two-carriage short shuttle train stopped was ever tiled. The eastern platform was not used for passenger services after 1914. The photograph that accompanies this shows you the interior of one of the lifts. At the time of closure... Aldwych Station was only used by 450 people per day. From June 1958, the service only operated in the rush hour, and it closed on the 30th of September 1994. The main reasons for closure were that the 1907 lifts needed to be replaced, and that would have cost a significant amount of money. At that time, the subsidy was £2.73 per passenger journey. That was £150,000 a year in 1994 money. Today, the single line to the western platform can still be used and is used for filming and also for training underground emergency response unit staff. Our next disused underground station is Charing Cross or more truthfully, the Jubilee Line platforms at Charing Cross. Charing Cross itself evolved from several underground stations. There was Trafalgar Square on the Bakerloo Line that opened in 1906, Strand on what is now the Northern Line opening in 1914, and Charing Cross Jubilee Line Station opening in 1977. 
Until the 12th of September 1976, the station that we now know as Embankment was called Charing Cross, and the Fleet Line was planned to link Baker Street with Charing Cross, although today's Jubilee Line no longer serves Charing Cross. In the building of the Jubilee Line station at Charing Cross, they wanted to prevent traffic chaos from the excavations, so a narrow-gauge railway was built from the works to behind the National Gallery so that the spoil could be removed easily. One of the tunnels that I have been along there has a big kink in the middle of it, and that's where the base of Nelson's Column is. A ventilation shaft, nearly as tall as Nelson's Column, seen in the photograph, was built on Craven Street. And the name change from the Fleet Line to the Jubilee Line cost over £50,000 in 1977 money, because many of the signs and other platform furniture had already been named with the Fleet Line. In 1999, the Jubilee Line was extended to Stratford, because new tunnelling equipment had allowed tunnels to be dug through the water-bearing gravel on the south bank. If Charing Cross had remained in use, there would need to have been very tight curves in the extended line, so a decision was taken that Charing Cross Jubilee Line Station would close and that the line would go via Westminster. The extension opened and Charing Cross Jubilee Line platforms closed on the 20th of November 1999. The station can still be used as a siding for the line if needed. All you have to do is go through some doors, down a set of escalators, and you are in the Jubilee Line station. It's relatively modern for an underground station, and it has live running rails, and is often used for filming. Often different scenes from different stations are mocked up here. You can have a full journey in a single place. The station was dressed as Temple Station, which is on the District and Circle line, for the Bond film Skyfall. And in the photograph on the bottom right, you can see the District and Circle line sign for westbound and eastbound. Unfortunately, just past that sign is a sign that says Jubilee line. And also the length of the escalator where Bond and the villain slid down the central part is far too deep for a District and Circle line platform. The nasty little bumps that they put in on those central sections to stop people sliding down were removed for the film and have never been replaced. We now come to Euston's Lost Tunnels. Not a disused underground station in the true sense, but still a very disused part of the underground station at Euston. Two underground railway companies built lines to Euston those two ultimately becoming the Northern Line, and they used different stations, one on each side of the Euston Main Line station. Until recently, unnoticed by most people passing by, one of the station buildings remained because it was used for ventilation equipment for the underground. That building, the Leslie Green Design Station, has only just been demolished to make way for the HS2 requirements at Euston Station. The Charing Cross, Euston and Hampstead Railway, known as the Hampstead Tube, and the City and South London Railway both received approval for their lines, and so they ended up 
with their stations on opposite sides. The City and South London Railway had extended to Euston in 1907. The station had an ornate green and white façade using Dalton's glazed carrowware. The passenger tunnels were finished in white glass. Sadly, that station was demolished many years ago and I cannot find any photographs. The station had an island platform. You still can find island platforms at Clapham North and Clapham Common stations. And the Charing Cross, Euston and Hampstead Railway also opened in 1907 with their Leslie Green design station in oxblood red external tiding with ornate green and cream in the ticket hall. The companies agreed to build a connecting passage to join their platforms and also a third set of lifts up into the main concourse of Euston Station. There was a booking office in the passageway because through tickets didn't exist. You had a ticket for one or the other underground line. People preferred the joint ticket office and lift access from Euston Station and both companies' buildings were lightly used. And in 1914, with both companies now part of Underground Electric Railways of London, both station buildings closed on September the 30th. In the 1960s, Euston Station was rebuilt and the Victoria Line opened. There were two new underground platforms at Euston to service the Victoria Line, and so the opportunity was taken to reconfigure the underground station. They removed the island platform on the bank branch. They built a new, larger, modern ticket hall and closed the transfer passage in April 1962. And the poster on the right about Euston Station reconstruction explains about the closure of that passage. New escalators were put in to replace lifts, the old lift shafts being used as ventilation ducts. That happened in 1967. And the Victoria Line platforms opened on the 1st of December 1968. You can also see in the photograph accompanying this slide some of the posters that are still on the wall in the passageway taking you back to the early 1960s. I would like to thank the London Transport Museum who have given me the, a license to use copyright material in this talk. The Hidden London team at the London Transport Museum who provide fascinating tours and have provided the material for the last section of this talk. Andrew Martin, the author of Underground Overground, who's given me inspiration for some of the stories I've told. Mark Ovenden, author of London Underground by Design, who's inspired other parts of this talk. And J.E. Connor, author of London's disused underground stations, who provided some of the material for this last part of the talk. The views expressed in this talk are representative of the views held at the time of the material being discussed. They do not necessarily represent the views of the speaker, the Farnham U3A History Group, or the team at the Mr T Podcast Studio. This podcast is produced by the Mr. T Podcast Studio in association with the Farnham U3A Group. Thank you for listening to this talk 